everyone, welcome to 5am Voice. I'm your host, Will Comprin, and today we have Mr. Powell Cuchello with us. Um, he's our school guidance counselor, and we go to the Albany Academies. Um, so he he's here to talk with us about uh, the things said last week. So if you haven't gone, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, definitely go pause this one, go, to, go listen to that one, then come back. Don't worry, we're still going to be here. And um, so he's going to be discussing, uh, points said, uh, in that video. And with that out of the way, I think, uh, think, uh, Mr. Cuchella, could you just start off with telling, um, the listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, what you've done, uh, what are your credentials, uh, et cetera. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for, for doing this. Um, yeah. So right now I'm the, uh, school counselor, um, I, to, you know, that it's a little bit different than a typical guidance counselor uh, at a public school. You know, guidance counselors are typically doing a lot of uh, a lot of variety of work within the school. They're doing advising. They're looking for colleges. They're uh, doing scheduling. And <clears throat> Albany Academies is a great place where we have kind of individual people that can do some of that work. So, you know, my my only role is to meet with students and to do some proactive work around mental health and well-being in school. So that really fits me. Um, I uh, got my license in mental health counseling six years ago. Uh, I got a master's in counseling and community community psychology. Um, And all of that allows me to uh, work with individuals on uh, psychotherapy and uh, to work with groups in well-being. So I'm really at a great place at Albany Academy where they they allow me to do the things that I'm interested in and um, no one really fights me on that. So I'm really, I'm happy to do that. Yeah, that's great. And so I just wanted to go way back and I wanted to talk about how you were as a teenager. Um, You know, if you cared at all about your mental health or (laughs) it it was even a thought in your mind or, uh, you know, Let's just start there. Let's just start there. <laughs> yeah, good questions. Um, it's funny as I was kind of preparing to to speak today, I was thinking about my mental health as a teenager, and um, you know, it's, I feel like mental health nowadays and uh, is just so much more talked about. Um, it, there's you know, there's knowledge about it. There's awareness of what even mental health is. And back when I was in school, when I, you know, it wasn't that long ago, I was a I was a senior in high school twenty years ago, which is not you know not that long. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't talked about. And I had, I had no idea what that the mental health that I had at that time was either good or bad. Um, although I did, I did certainly struggle. Um, teenage years were, were really difficult for me. Um, there was a lot of, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but a lot of anxiety that I had, a lot of social anxiety. Um, I was an introvert. Uh, meaning that I like to I like to be on my own to a certain degree. I, I got energy from from doing things by myself, uh, but I was an anxious introvert. So so it was tough for me to even go be around a lot of people, and um, I think that that was that made things really difficult for my high school experience. Um, I was lucky to have played a sport because I think that kept me around people and it kept me on a on a track. Uh, however. Um, when it came to you know, socializing with other people, I was kind of kind of really stuck to myself, uh, which uh, looking back, I wish that was something I acted a little differently. So 
you um actually just brought up a great segue point <laughs> uh so you just said how you had social anxiety which is something that uh we talked about last week um so if you could go back right and you could you you got to see your uh senior year self in high school and you could have like a five minute conversation with him about his social anxiety and you could tell him like, okay, you should probably do this, this, and this, um, and it'll really help you out. What, what would you tell yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that, you know, where social anxiety comes from, um, most often is this fear of what other people may think of you. Um, it's a lack of self-esteem. It's, uh, you know, the, realizing that, you know, teenagers are kind of critical and we don't want to be different in a lot of ways. And if you will, if we are different in any extreme, uh, then we, we can bet that people will have something to say about that. You know, people will make fun of us. And so, so I realized that in, as a teenager that I felt very different, I felt a little awkward and I didn't want to, I didn't want to look that way or feel that way. So I kind of st st stuck to myself. Um, if I was talking to myself as a senior in high school, I would say of, I would really come around to how much what I do doesn't matter to other people. You know, we, we have such an ego in high school that we think that what we do really impacts other people, that really people are watching us and out to like get us. But that is just simply not true. And um, most people are out for themselves. They're so focused on themselves. They're not worried about other people, but um, we, we can't step outside of that. So if I was talking to myself, I would say that I need to get out of my comfort zone more um, to go talk to people. What's the worst that could happen? And um, those things were just never, they were just never approached. They were just never even talked about. So I never really had this idea that I wasn't doing something, um, that I wasn't doing something well. But yeah, I get out of my comfort zone more and realize that if I did just a little bit at a time, that I'd be okay. And that's something that really no one told me. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard, you know, personally, I've heard like a lot about how as you grow up, you'll learn more about how people don't actually care about what you're doing. And it's kind of just something I've had in the back of my mind. But, you know, personally, I know that, like, I don't know, like, oh, they still probably are going to care about me, even though I know like it doesn't, they don't really. And do you have, so I was just wondering, like, do you have any point that can really just drive that? Like, you know, people don't, people are more caring about themselves and the actions that you do. Do you just have a point to like drive that into drive that home? Or is it just kind of like more of like a grow with an experience sort of thing? Well, you know, there's, you know, it's tough. That's, that's an, that's like a heck of an insight. Like that's an insight that people, um, it's like one of those things that, okay, people can intellectually hear that and they're like, okay, I get it. But, but it's to understand it, we actually have to have the experience of it. And, you know, I, I, I think back to, um, if I, if I'm talking to people about this topic, I'm usually asking them about something maybe embarrassing they did uh, maybe a year or so ago, or something that they felt like didn't go well uh, a couple months ago. And, and so if they go back to that, like, how much is that thing that they did a year ago or a couple months ago? How much is that a factor now? Is anyone talking about that thing now? Um, is anyone besides us thinking about that thing right now? 
And no, like that's not the case. So uh, we we are our own worst enemies of going back into our past and caring a lot about things we did, but we're the only ones usually thinking about it. Um, another example is when we you know do public speaking, and that's a big fear for a lot of people. And um, we're we're sitting in class and we're about to go. And we're stressed out out of our minds thinking, what are people going to say? Are people going to have something like, are they going to make fun of me for whatever I do? Am I going to mess up? These are all the thoughts that are going through our head. And really, everyone else is in their chair thinking the same thing. Like, we think that everyone's going to be focused on us. But like, no, everyone's freaking out in their own chair. So um, we, you know, we really have this idea that everyone else is at us when really everyone else is internal themselves. Um worried about what other people think of them. Yeah. Um, and so you also just brought up uh, sports, right? Did, did you say you were doing track? Uh, I was a soccer player. I'm soccer, a soccer, gotcha. So yeah, soccer is much more a team sport than track. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, just speaking about sports in general, um, I know that uh, at Academy, we have we are required to do sports, um, but, you know, sports can definitely be a positive mental health uh, block, I feel like, um, but they could also definitely be a negative one. I know my sport has brought me so much stress um, just on, on meet days and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, it, they've also, it's also been like a place where I've been able to really uh, meet some really cool people, some of my really close friends, um, and, you know, really just bond over insanely hard workouts together. Um, so I was just wondering, like, like what's your perspective on sports? Like if you, if you already have a really booked schedule, do you think sports are a good idea to add on top of that because of the positive things that can bring with it? Or is it more just like a, you might want to leave it out in this type of situation? That's, such a layered question um, with, and there's not, you know, as I reflect back, there's not, there's not really like the right answer. It's so much depends on the, the actual, uh, the, the teenager that's in the sport. Um, for some, for some people that the sports are, sports are everything. There's the social aspect of it. There's the exercise of it. There's the attainment of a goal. Um, there's, you know, that, like you said, there's this work that's put into it. And when you do that with other people, that there's this bonding that happens that that you can seldom get in other ways. So there's all of those positive things that come from it, but it is very demanding in time. And there are students that are kind of forced to do sports that it doesn't bring them enjoyment and they don't feel that engagement when they do the sport. And they'd much rather be into music or uh, theater and, or science or math and that's and and that could be the engagement or the attainment of goals that they're that they're into so although sports was a critical piece of my life i don't think that i don't think that i would have had some success that i've had if it wasn't for sports i know that sports are not for everybody um and i i wouldn't want to force anyone that's not into sports to do them um but if they're on the on the fence I would a hundred percent say that they should give it, give it a shot and uh, to give it their best effort just because there's so many benefits that come from it. Yeah. And you know, one of the biggest things uh, I feel like, I feel like COVID has impacted high school sports. Um, I mean, 
right now, basically every single season is in question. There are no real games other than like tennis and cross country played in fall. And I know like, you know, for most of us, our, our senior season, um, it's pretty, it's pretty important to us. Uh, we've definitely put in a lot of work and then to just get it all taken away, uh, just like that. It's definitely tough, but, um, but it's more just like, uh, speaking on COVID in general, I've seen a lot of my friends really, you know, they've, they've had a really tough time with it just because they haven't been able to see their friends or they haven't even been able to go outside of their room. And I just wanted to ask you about that. Uh, you know, dealing with isolation, dealing with, you know, lack of social communications. What, what do you have to say about that? Uh, it's, it's a basic need, you know, socialization is a basic need, you know, outside of shelter, food and water, um, you know, Maslow and his hierarchy said it, you know, there's, there's, we need safety, psychological safety. Uh, we need food and water um, and those basic needs, but then socialization is the next, next rung on that bar. Um, it's to feel like you belong in a group is, is everything. And we've always taken that for granted. Like we've, we've just always been in schools with, with other people. We've been on teams with other people and all of a sudden that's been ripped away. And, um, we, I, I think we very much took our socialization for granted because now that we don't have the ability to connect with people like we used to, it, it plays a factor. Um, it, you know, for some people, they have maybe families that, that they really get along with. So it was, so there's all this gratitude built into there where I can be with my family and I can play games and we can connect and talk. And I think that's the smaller percentage of families that are able to do that. Um, for most, it causes more strife. Um, the, the arguments that pick up are, are really difficult. Heard you mention divorce. That's certainly, that's certainly on the rise. Um, people are meant to socialize, but also teenagers are also meant to uh, move away from their parents and explore and go do things, but also have that safety net to come back home uh, where they can't even explore and go like, that's a, that's, you know, that's another thing we take advantage or we take, um, you know, we, we just assume that we're able to go to school and have our free time to ourselves. That's what we need, but all of a sudden that's taken away too. So it really is a psychological piece that comes with COVID for teenagers, especially when they're all of a sudden home and they can't go out and they can't do the things that they're used to. Um, I mean, the amount of articles that I've read on that subject are, are unreal and there's not really like a great answer for it. There's certainly, and we'll talk about it in a little while, I'm sure, proactive things that we can be doing to try to keep ourselves mentally and physically healthy. Um, but uh, it has to be done proactively. We just can't go about doing our normal routine. Uh, just can't be going like the amount of video games, video games that we're going to be playing skyrockets which on the short end. Okay. That's fun and enjoyable. And it, you know, creates some communication with people, but any amount of screen time that's that long and that much, it does impact. So um, a balance is good and there's no balance right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can definitely think of some times where I played a little too much, too many video games. <laughs> <Anything>. uh, <laughs> but 
you you brought up family and uh yeah i i definitely agree with you when you say um the the kids who say like they have a very strong bond with their family those are definitely i feel like they're definitely in the minority um and you know for for many of my friends uh they you know at first they're like okay guess we're spending time with my family now and then about a month in then i was like okay i <laughs> i gotta get out of my i did my family's just way too much right now <laughs> uh-huh. but um you know family does bring up an important aspect of mental health that i'm not sure a lot of a lot of kids realize and that's you know if your parents wanted you to get into harvard right and college we're, we're applying to college right now uh and that's that's the only thing that you you know of harvard harvard hard and uh you you don't get in that is that immediately puts on a lot of stress basically that you know what what are you going to tell your parents what are you going to tell your friends all, all this stuff and that i that all stemmed from what your what your family what your parents wanted from you and you know that that might not be that might not even be on your radar of like things affecting your mental health but it definitely is and that's just one example but um what would you tell kids that that you know maybe don't even realize how much how much uh their family's affecting them what what would you tell them it's you know this is a big conversation that happens a lot especially at academy where uh, the, there's such an emphasis on college and, and um, there's an identity piece around what you end up doing for college. The difficult piece is when um, I, I have to play this balance of, of being aware of parent expectations and not necessarily going against parent expectations, but also realizing that as a youth, one of the most important things that happen as a teenager is this sense of achieving identity, of understanding what it is that you want, what your skill set is, what you're into, and what do you want to go chase after? So there, this this huge um, crisis that that teenagers have is we either achieve our identity or we're confused uh, around our identity, and or is that our parents' identity that they want to force on us? So. Uh, I'm I'm big on having having teenagers kind of reflect on what they what they want to achieve and the things that they want uh, for their lives. And of course, if they too would like to go to Harvard, and that's something that's really important to them as it is for their parents, then um, then I hope that you've put in the work and you've done all that you've had to do. But if you've gotten rejected, then um, then it's you know then it's a time for resilience and shifting perspective. And and how do you take a loss? And and fight back and and you know go in a different direction and do it quickly. Um, I'm not sure if that fully answers the question, but but when I heard what you said, I, I went right to this sense of identity, and you know that's why we pull away from our parents and kind of go towards our friends in those late middle school, early high school years, where our parents are not you know they're important, they're a safe base, but they're not they're not yeah. You know, they should just be a safe base. They shouldn't be the full factor of what that child does. And I think that sometimes leads to a bit of burnout with with teenagers when they're they're fully doing what their parents say without really say in what they want to achieve. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that, actually. Um, you know, just speaking on personal experience, I, <laughs> I definitely agree with that. Um, so, so on the topic of uh, applying to college, um, there are definitely been late, late nights working on the essay, working on the Common App. And uh, so I definitely want... I definitely wanted to bring up uh, the topic of sleep mm -hmm. and you know, that's such a right now that's, that might be one of my biggest problems is just sleep uh, and lack of it. And I'll, I'll just open it up to you. Just what, what do you have to say about sleep? <laughs> yeah. My, my interest in sleep has, has gone in and out throughout the years. Um, when I was when I was a teenager, I didn't think it mattered so much, so I didn't care so much about it. Um, and then, well, let's just say I'm going to fast forward to, to to now. In my opinion, that sleep is nearly everything. <laughs> the sleep sleep is so important. Um, it's just because the amount of science and research that's just come out about that topic. Um, and I listen to a lot of podcasts on the subject of sleep from a lot of doctors and a lot of different forums. And there's not one doctor or not one research person ever that says, okay, sleep is not really that big of a deal, or we can get below a certain amount of hours and still function. They, they all say how important it is. And most kind of dive in around seven and a half hours or more. Um, seven and a half to nine is kind of a sweet spot for sleep. And if we're getting much less than that on a consistent basis, then it messes with our brain. It messes with our, our uh, physiological system, messes with our um, nervous system. There's, there's just so much that it messes with if we don't get the appropriate amount of sleep. So for our physical, emotional, mental, spiritual health, uh, sleep is one of the top things on the list. Um, there's a book I, that I've gotten into and I read it constantly. Um, it's called The Brain Always Wins uh, by John Sullivan. Uh, and, and he goes into the top things we can do for the brain and sleep is number one. And most people don't get a, don't get enough of it. Yeah. Um, so seven and a half to nine hours, that is quite a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, from, Speaking to most of my friends, I definitely know that they do not get that much. Um, for me, if I get six hours a night, I'm very happy with that. And um, that's due to a lot of factors, mostly school, uh, maybe a long practice, but mostly school, homework, studying. And, you know, I, I think of it, I think of having a pretty good sleep schedule myself, even though I don't get the recommended hours um whereas i i cut myself off at 12 i force myself to go to bed regardless of what i'm doing um because i just need i know i need to have six hours at the bare minimum or else i i just can't function but um you know i'm i'm thinking of a few people in particular that are just staying up till 3 4 a.m just like oh well I got to finish this essay or something, or I'm just going to play video games. I don't even <laughs> care or something like that. And, you know, not talking about video games, but talking about school. Uh, I feel like school really 
it doesn't exactly allow for a kid to get seven and a half hours. Um, and I guess I'm just wondering, like, you know, you, you've seen the workload Academy puts on us. Like, do you think it's really possible for a kid taking four or five APs and doing a sport to get seven and a half hours of sleep um, on a daily basis? Cause personally, I, I just don't know if that's really possible, I guess, but do you, what, what do you think? What do you think? You're going to get me in trouble. Well, um, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Like, I, I don't think so. They, the, the, the homework demands are, are a lot. Like we're expecting, you know, we're expecting our, our, our high school students to be there from, from eight o'clock uh, until three. And then most, well, it's mandatory to do a, a sport or something. So, you know, that takes you to five. Um, and then if you wanted to get eight hours of sleep, you have to be in bed by 10 from 10 to six. Um, we'll say. So, so then there, there's, you know, five to 10, where you have to do how many hours of homework you have to, you have to eat and you have to, you have to do your nightly stuff. And then you have to shut off your brain for, you know, in a half an hour, 45 minutes. And there's like an element that's needed for just simple rest and relaxation and enjoyment. That is a necessity for our life that we, that we have this time where we can like let go and enjoy and have fun. Those things are important. So, uh, no, the, you know, I don't want to just say Academy because a lot of schools that are, are rigorous have that thing, have that aspect to them. Um, but it's not always realistic that you're getting enough sleep. If you want to also stay really at a high level in your academics, because there's a high requirement for homework. Well, how many hours did they say that you should be doing for each AP class per night? Uh, at least an hour. Okay. All my AP teachers told me to do at least an hour of homework. So, Okay. So that takes you five to 10 right there. Uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot and not realistic. I've heard, I've heard several, you know, administrators from, from in our time say that, you know, that they try to pull back on so much homework because uh, they realize that it's not always at the best benefit of the whole child. So I guess this is as good as a place as ever. So, um, let's say that you don't get enough sleep, right? Um, and you're feeling the effects of only getting five hours of sleep every night. What, what are some ways to, you know, to still stay mentally healthy? Um, even if you're not getting that much of that much sleep, like, like, what are your, what are your tips for that? It's tough because, um, you know, I have things that come to my mind, but it's, it's hard for me to say that anything else replaces sleep. Um, you know, there that even if, if we go if we go for, you know, a few days in a row of not getting seven and a half hours sleep, um, then there's this catch up period that we need to have, like where we need to catch up on some sleep and it might take a couple days to, to get back. So that's, um, so nothing really replaces that, uh, catching up on sleep is really important, but if, you know, the, there are those few things that allow us to function a little bit better in our day to day. Um, exercise, like if we are, if we're not sleeping and we're not exercising, then we're, then we're really kind of putting ourselves in a funk. Um, their ability, you know, students, they want to be high achievers in school, but if you're not sleeping and you're not exercising, 
then you're you're really taking away your ability to concentrate and your ability to focus and stay on point and those and your awareness of what you pay attention to from it going into the past or the future it like your strength as an as a as a as a student is where you place your attention and if you're sleeping if your sleep is off or you're not moving a lot or your or your nutrition or your food's off then that severely impacts your attention so so i would say that that you know, movement is something you should definitely be putting some time into. Um, some, you know, different uh, things like yoga, yoga and meditation. Uh, those things kind of, you know, bring the uh, bring your awareness. They they strengthen your awareness. They strengthen your attention for a little bit. Um, you know, healthy healthy food is is a good thing too. Healthy snacks are a good thing to keep your attention as well. Um, so yeah, I go to those couple of things if you're looking to to keep on track with a lack of sleep. Gotcha. And you know, just in general, are there any other ways to just uh stay mentally healthy or you know, is it are those the main ones? I mean, there's there are several. There are several. <laughs> so if I if I were to go into mental and emotional health, there are so many things we could be doing for ourselves. Um there's an acronym which uh, I guess I mean I, I guess perhaps I've made up the acronym, but it was these five things that come together that I think if you if you pay attention to these five things, then you are setting yourself up for having good physical, emotional, and mental health. And that the acronym is uh, SNRM. S N. I know it's kind of a funny name, but SNRM. S N E R M. So it's sleep, nutrition, exercise, relationships, and some sort of mindfulness. So those those five things, if you if you can invest time into those five things, and you are you are really setting up your brain for success. Um, and then there's you know there's a branch of psychology called positive psychology, which is the study of happiness and well-being and flourishing. Um, it's, you know, about 20 years ago, the, the, um, the director of positive psychology or the founder of positive psychology, uh, his name is Martin Seligman. Uh, oddly enough, he is an alum of Albany Academy and he created a whole branch of psychology. So he's a pretty big deal. Um, and Academy is a big deal for that. Um, but positive psychology would state that there's all kinds of things that we could do for ourselves to increase our positive emotion. Um, and these are things like, um, having optimism. So really making sure that we're aware of how we're thinking about things and choosing perspectives that allow us to think about things in a more productive way and not being so uh, pessimistic about things. Uh, they would also say for, that we should know our strengths and we should know our top strengths and we should apply them as much as possible. Instead of always working on our weaknesses, how can we work on our strengths and apply them and make sure that they become a daily part of our, of our, of our work. Um, other things like, um, other things like gratitude and kindness, those things should be a part of our, our daily, uh, our daily workload too. You know, we, we spend so much time on making sure we're being good students like how many hours a day would you say that you do spend studying or putting into your academic work, Will? 
uh, <laughs> a majority of the day, I, I would say. Even if we included like the hours where you were in class, like that's, you know, involved too. Yeah. Um, I don't know, probably like 14 to 16 hours, <laughs> I'm thinking. Okay. Something like that. So let's just say 14 hours. You spend uh, a day during the week make like trying to be uh, trying to hone in your skills as a intellectual person and trying to have your academic skills be be good. Um, now you recognize that the mental health is important and you recognize that your emotional health plays a factor. So, but how much time do you put into that? You know, if you're putting 14 hours into the academic side, how much time do you put into the mental side? Very, very little. <laughs> and, and you're not alone, I don't think. Like that's what most, most students and most people find the same thing. Um, but there are these things we can do, you know, spending five minutes a night writing down the things that you're grateful for in your day. Um, the three good things that happened and why you enjoyed them. Um, that is a gratitude journal. It's one of the top interventions we can do for our well-being. Um, writing a, a note of gratitude towards a, a parent or someone you really want to appreciate, just writing them a letter and saying why you appreciate them. Those things are really impactful. Um, and of course, I come back to always to, to spending a couple minutes in meditation. Um, if, if Since our thoughts are so powerful and our attention is everything, well, the way, we, the way we train our thoughts and our attention is through meditation. So you know, I would really put a lot of emphasis on that as well. Gotcha. gotcha. So we're running a little low on time. And my I just wanted to ask you one last question. Mm -hmm. um, so let's say you're giving a presentation to the entire world um, and you could you can sell, tell them one thing and it can be it can be literally anything. It could be uh, advice, uh, a quote, what you had for breakfast, it, anything. Um, so floor is yours to the entire world. What are you telling them? You know, I heard you ask this question in the prior the prior podcast, and I, when I when you said that, I was like, oh, what would I say? And then, and then I didn't think of it at the time, and then I forgot about that question, and then and then here I am with that question being put on the spot, and uh, to come up with one thing that I would say uh, when there's so many in my mind, because I, I remember what Jeremy had said. I remember that that Jeremy had said uh, that you are loved and that you uh, you know to to realize to realize that. Bennett went in to talk about uh, you know being in the present moment, which I which I appreciated. Uh, so those two things are extremely important. I have to go if I were to give one piece of advice, it would be to listen to other people. I think that when we put our attention and time into being there for others, we are wired to be, to be well. And one way that we are there for others is by listening to them. So if I was to give to one piece of advice to someone, I would say that we should do more listening to people. Someone, someone talks to you and they, and they, you know, they say something to you, What's the one thing that usually people do? They're like, oh, okay, cool. And then it's kind of done. 
or we're not paying attention at all and we give a, a half-assed answer and we don't really like give them a good answer. Um, but when someone tells you something, you're listening and you respond back with a question about what they just said, or you make it really clear that you're paying attention to them and you're listening, we offer no better gift to someone to than to, than to listen to them and to make them feel heard and understood. So I would go there. All right, guys, you heard him. Uh, start listening. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, it was great talking to you. Um, thanks for being a supporter of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah, keep, guys. Keep doing uh, good work. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and guys, I'll see you next week.